0: Welcome to the New Church Live podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Chuck Blair. The mission of our church is to provide an accepting space where everyone belongs. This podcast is an extension of that. On this podcast, we will be sharing stories from the church community that shine a light on each other's personal struggles and victories. These stories provide the space for spiritual connection and for building community with one another, and ultimately providing a spiritual home. In this episode, we will explore the ways in which teens are beginning to explore and understand the world for themselves, how these ideas are explored and encouraged in the classroom at the Academy of the New Church, and how New Church teachings help to provide insight and a real foundation in the ways they are able to begin developing their own spirituality. It is through the incorporation of theology and conversation that students are able to be inspired to go out into the world and live a useful and principled life. Some key takeaways from this episode include What a pastor sees in his classroom. Teens beginning to explore the world for themselves and how it is a precious place to be with them. Healthy tensions in the classroom. Teens trying to figure out what they can trust in theology and where they can adapt. And questions. What teens respond to in the classroom? Why integrity matters so much and where it can lead someone in life? What the secret sauce is at the Academy of the New Church? From a teen's perspective, what are they thinking about spirituality? Why are some of the biggest challenges there for their generation? What are those challenges? What type of teachers and role models they look up to and why? And why would they encourage teens to consider a faith-based school? Thank you for listening. Let's get to the episode. morning, folks. Pastor Chuck Blair here. Great to have everyone joining us. And I get to have a wonderful conversation today with my dear friend, Chris Barber. And Chris and I have worked together over the years, and, and both of us share a passion around, like, how do you combine the idea of spirituality with young adults? And how do you, how do you present spirituality to young adults in a way that can really serve them and can really help their lives out? So with that, I'm going to just turn it over to Chris here for a quick introduction. And then we're going to go through a set of questions and just listen to a great conversation, and this is great stuff to be thinking about. So, so Chris, I want to welcome you, and I would love for you to just get a chance to, to introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Hi, Chuck. Yeah, this is great. I'm really happy to be having this conversation with you. As you know, uh, I am in the middle of my 10th year of teaching at the Academy of the New Church. I am a pastor as well and a scholar of theology. And the work that I get to do here at the Academy really fills me up. Um, This work where I get to meet adolescents in a place where they are on their own, right? They come to school by themselves. They leave their parents at home. uh, And in many ways, they have a chance to leave some of that Baggage at home that they might have back when they are uh, in their rooms and they hear their parents down the hall who are having a conversation, or even if they're in the dorm and they hear their housemasters uh, talking about things and their own values and how they see the world. In the classroom, a lot of that stuff is at least put on pause for a little bit, and they have the opportunity to explore how they understand the world for themselves. And, of course, a lot of the work that I get to do, which I really enjoy, is prompting them to think in new ways, to examine that, to see where some of the stuff that they have at home they could pick up and take on for themselves, where some of how their parents see the world could be theirs, where how some of their community sees the world could be theirs, their dorm heads could be theirs, and where they maybe create a new way of seeing or take on something from somewhere else entirely. Uh, School is an opportunity where adolescents really do get to find themselves in a way where they're on display in a different kind of sense, uh, but very much are on their own. And so it's a precious place for me to be with them.
0: Chris, that's really powerful. So, 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 and I love the passion that you speak with and and speaking as a, as a former teacher, I know you bring a lot of that to the classroom too. And, and if you were to say, it was interesting what you were saying. And if you were to say, where is it that, that you find that most teenagers start, like most of them come into school and they have a certain uh, spiritual framework or lack thereof, like what, what do you sort of as a rule of thumb, what do you hold as the baseline for adolescent spirituality? And then I want to talk about, you know, sort of how you build on that. But but just start with where do you see that? Where do you see that baseline?
1: For myself, what I see, it can be summed up in tension. Mm. Tension. The tension between confirming what they already know and believe about the world and pushing back against those same ideas um and i think some of that is because i mean we all look for stability in our lives we hope to find those bedrocks of belief on which we can build how we see the world um but there's also this sense that they want to find themselves and see the world in their own way which means pushing back a little bit, um, but if you push back too much, you end up in a place where there's this thought that it all was a lie, that mm-hmm. nothing is stable, that nothing is eternal, that nothing is right. Um, that I, I have been swindled for all these years, and now I need to find a new truth, and that's an uncomfortable place to be as well. And so, we look for some of those universal truths, I think, when you know, when. We looked for it when we were in high school, and I think a lot of our high schoolers are looking for that, Um, but they also don't want to be told what is. I mean, it it feels a little weird talking about what they want because it's been a little bit since I was one, but I see it in my classroom. I see the teenagers in my classrooms um, trying to find what they can trust and trying to find where they can adapt, change, discard, and where there's room for something new. So that's a tension. Uh, especially because if someone finds a new truth that they believe is valuable, inevitably that brings up what old idea was in that new truth's place. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and here's the maybe even more uncomfortable part. If something that I believed before worked for me, but doesn't now, what that I have now won't work for me later. And that causes, I think for some folks, a bit of a, a bit of a crisis, a healthy crisis, because that's where you find reasonable skepticism. It's where you find people um, starting to ask questions, um, something that needs to be done more and more as information flies by us um, at increasing speeds uh, as we scroll our phones or scroll on our computers or in our inboxes. We have to ask, what if this is valuable? What if this isn't? Um, But I do think we also cling to that bedrock
0: as much as we can. Boy, that is, that's really well said. You know, as you were thinking about it, I, I love that Swedenborgian concept that the furthest we can get is a seed for the next, you know, that it's, it like things keep on generatively building and, and we start at a certain level and, and we just keep on moving forward. So, so it was interesting hearing what you said too, that, that there are these universal truths that, that, that teenagers tend to, um, uh, gravitate towards that tend to really resonate it with them at a, at a certain very age appropriate level. Can you share, share one or two of those with us, you know, where you've seen like, yeah, it seems like anytime I talk about this teens really respond to it. They really get it. And, and it helps them to move to move forward into what you said is very true into that healthy kind of tension.
1: Yeah. Uh, thinking about that. And that's a great, a great follow-up question. Um, and you see me looking around a fair bit, actually I should know, because I'm in my classroom right now. And so what I see before me right now are a lot of empty desks, but um, I'm very much in the space where this work happens. And so um, it's helpful for me looking around and remembering the students who are in here. Uh, I think the two bedrock ideas that uh, where a lot of students find themselves are fairness and mm-hmm. opportunity um fairness this idea of are people being treated in a way that doesn't show favoritism Uh, are people being treated in a way that leads then you know to equal opportunities um so the fairness is often a response you know how is the world responding to me and am i being handled fairly am i being handled in an equitable way um Is there an injustice happening? If so, how do I get away from that? Um, Is there injustice for my peers? We often see students standing up for other students when they think um, that someone's being treated unfairly, sometimes directly, sometimes with an email, sometimes with a conversation, Uh, they're looking out for each other. Um, So that fairness is how is the world handling me? And I think that opportunity is how can I fare in the world how can I? How can I do well in the world? Am I having doors um, that could be open to me? And of course, that's wrapped up again in the fairness. Um, when we notice that there's an unfair advantage, then that comes back to the um, to the fairness idea. So I, I I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that. And I think we can really build off of that with the. I think we can build off of that uh, with the scriptures. Um, when we talk about the teachings of Jesus uh, and we see this idea of if we're able to love one another the way that the Lord has loved us, then we too will be prizing that fairness and opportunity. Um, If I may, one of the things that I really treasure about the teachings for the new church is this idea that all people are born for heaven. I mean, there's, there's no door that's bigger than that one um, in the hallway of opportunities that we have. I mean, maybe it's the one that's at the very end. It's just this great door that is calling all forward, beckoning with its light, come to heaven. It's what we were born for, everybody. Now, where that can be a challenge is where we see the unfairness of life. People born into situations that don't quite seem fair, where it seems like people are not getting a head start but aren't even hearing the sounding gun, Mm -hmm. um, where it seems like some have an easier road than others. That question of if all people are born for heaven, right? opportunity, uh, how can it be that some people have a harder time feeling heavenly life in this world? Fairness. And so the teachings for the new church, the teachings of Jesus, um, highlight some of well what I will say again is a tension that exists in the in in religious life, but also uh, we see in the classroom with our students.
0: Yeah, hmm. that's it's powerful to hear. And you know, one of the ones that was interesting to me, Chris. You know, it was interesting when you were saying the fairness thing and and the opportunity thing. And it's interesting as well for me, having been a teacher, is to watch how sometimes adolescents can can really kind of step up in ways that are are amazing, right? Like I, I've seen, I'm going to use the heroic, I, I, and I'm, I want to be careful with that word, right? Because we can think that the heroic is, you know, running into the burning building. A lot of times the heroic is not, it's much more, it's much smaller, but much, much, uh, much more meaningful, well, not that the other one wasn't meaningful, but, it, but it's just small, it's just smaller and filled with a lot of meaning. And and where have you where have you witnessed that? Where have you witnessed? And, and paint the picture for us. Where where here's like the normal hum of of adolescent life, and then you saw someone just do that next thing. They just they just went to that next level. You know, an example I'm thinking of was was I was teaching when 9/11 happened, and there was a student who was so appalled by how Afghani's were being treated. Uh, you know, which was kind of crazy because the the terrorists were not Afghani. they were you know they were Saudi for the most part but but they they went to a Afghani restaurant and and uh, went down to the city came back and told me about going down there to eat a dinner just because they wanted to say like not every person from the Middle East is a terrorist. I thought that was I mean it's subtle, but that's sort of a way that 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 a that a adolescent can show up in a very heroic way in the world that I find very inspiring. When I say that, like what comes to your mind where you saw somebody that was at a baseline or a group that was at a baseline like this, and then they just stepped it up a level?
1: Yeah, the, the rushing into a burning building idea, that often does come to mind with the heroics. And I will say I uh, I have been really proud of our students here, who have been volunteering with the fire department, um, <laughs> who will, in the middle of class, uh, have a pager go off, and they'll go and they'll help. And uh, I, I am proud of the work that they've done there, and and the willingness that they, they have to to make these sacrifices. Um, and I also see the other meaningful ways that people step up. Um, I mean, how do you define a hero? I and mean, it seems that. In my mind, it's someone who does what seems impossible in the moment, uh, and we see that in the classroom. Uh, A couple years ago, I, mama mia, (laughs) I really put my foot in it. I didn't quite realize that I was speaking on a sensitive subject for one of the students in a class that I had, and they never said anything to me about it. Um, But one of their classmates did take the time to come and let me know, by the way, um, this is the situation. And small, right? In, in the grand scheme, if we're looking at the ledger of, of heroic deeds, of what we would put a quote around and say heroic, it, I, it might not even make someone's list. Um, but for years that stood out to me as a time when a student saw the pain in a friend, and spoke to an authority figure about it in a way that was informative. Um, and it wasn't reprimanding me in any way, but put me back in my place in a way to remember that the folks in the room have life experiences that I'm, I'm really not always aware of. Um, and I, I know that this student uh, did do something heroic for, for their classmate that day, Um Things like that happen all the time. Uh, What is it to make a difference in the world? uh, To make a difference in the world, uh, as I've heard you say, you do the next right thing. What is the next right thing? What is the next most loving thing? For how many people don't do that? For how many times in a day I don't do that? Uh, It really counts when someone does
0: boy that's oh boy it's so well said you know I was, I was thinking mother teresa's great quote which i love and repeat way too often which is uh we can do no great things all we can do is small things with great love yeah those you know, small opportunities really are where uh really where spirituality grows i i find you know it really people again they tend to think of it as the big and the grand and no it's it tends to be in the small stuff where we really can do it right
1: i mean well you know the um the parable of the king who calls in um, his courtiers and is is like, um, basically, thanks for visiting me when I was in prison. Thanks for giving me clothes when I was naked. Thanks for, Uh, they go to this list and and the people like, when did we ever see that? (laughs) You've never been in prison. You haven't been sick that we've seen. Uh, You haven't been hungry. Uh, What are you talking about? Inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Well, visiting someone, right? It, there's expense, costs time, maybe costs a little bit of pride, um, costs a little bit of priorities. Right? Giving someone some food, in the grand scheme, these are the small things. And yet, when the Lord uses that as an image of heavenly life in this world, we see that it, it is in those small things that we find real love to the Lord being expressed. Um, being able to express love to the Almighty is a pretty powerful thing.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny. I was listening to a, to a great podcast, it's right along the same lines, and this, this author was talking about the, you know, Jesus talking about the 99 and one, you know, like 90, 100 sheep, 99, one runs off, doesn't he go off to to get the one and just leave the 99, you know, to, to sort of by themselves? And, um, you know, I love this idea, right, that that it's clearly <laughs> that Jesus is saying, like, you know, the one's more important than the 99. The 90, 99 are going to take care of themselves, and we have to be able to constantly go back to that one and and allow our spirituality to be organized around that concept of the one and who's right in front of you love the lord your god person right in front of you just that simple so yes go ahead chris you want to say them oh i just i love that um the person right in front of you reminds
1: you that um you don't have to go far to do the lord's work
0: Mm-mm. no no it's 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 amazing right and the opportunities are right literally right there in front of us like Tell you all the time. You want to see the world. You want to know the worlds you're supposed to heal. Look where your feet are. Look where you're looking at. Like those. That's the world you're supposed to heal because God put you there. So, so there you well,
1: go. yeah. I mean, let's we'll talk about the 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 information that's before us all the time. I mean, the news shows us tragedies around the world, and honestly, I am powerless to do anything about tragedies around the world. Just you know, I could maybe donate to some funds. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could help raise awareness. I could share an article on on my social media so that there's more awareness. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you think about the world into which Jesus was born, when we think about uh, the the teachings that he was offering, they're all local teachings. They're all local teachings. They're about the people right in front of you. And if everyone is caring for the people right in front of them, no one is left uncared for. Yeah. Uh, But because we are also confronted with horrible news, you can find it whenever you want it. um, And it can be overwhelming. It can feel like, well, what difference can I make? Well, what good can this comment um, make? Uh, The world is just going to be the same as it was before. No, it won't. Mm -hmm. It'll be a little better. A little better adds up when everyone's doing a little. So I, I, I do hope that people walk out of my class walk out of our academy walk out of our church services uh, with this sense that they can be the church yeah. it doesn't take a, a special degree it doesn't take um anything beyond your ability to look outside of yourself and do the next right thing for the person who's in front of you if you're doing that you got it yeah. it's not complicated yeah but yeah. it is hard, <laughs> right?
0: Right? Right? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's it. What was the great quote, Chris? Like, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. You yeah. Know, I think yeah. <laughs> that's Really. I think that's really, really accurate. Really, really true. So, so to so to close a closing question for you here. So, um, and I'm totally I'm totally teeing this up because I have some kids who've been through the school where you teach, and they have come to love you dearly, dearly as a teacher. And so I'm totally setting you up for this. So um, 10 years go by. A student graduates 10 years and they write you a note and they say, Mr. Barber, I, I really learned this from you. I really appreciate that you taught me this, that you shared this life perspective with me. I think as Teachers, and I certainly know as a minister, there's certain things that I would want someone to say because they're so important to my heart. And I certainly hope I not only communicated them with my words, but with my whole life that this is, that this stuff really mattered to me. What would what would be the comment or the comments you would want a student to say, Mr. Barbara? I was so appreciative because you taught me this or you shared this with me. What would be the one where you'd be like, they got it? Because it's interesting, right? We always use this phrase, they get it. And we always use this phrase, they don't get it. What's the it? You know, what's the it that you would wanna see reflected back 10 years down the road?
1: What's the it? Um, My first it was you matter, so Mm -hmm. act like it. Um, Be a good neighbor to yourself. Uh, I think at the end of the day, and this, this might sound a little odd as a teacher of religion, But I think at the end of the day, for me, it's this, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what you believe. It matters to me that you know what you believe and that you live according to it. Mm. Because at the end of a life, we will be asked not what did we believe or what church did we attend or where do we sign the membership rolls? We'll be asked how did we live and why? Mm -hmm. And if we are doing our best to stay true to our principles, and if we've developed those principles deliberately, not just because we slid into them, but because we thought about the world and we decided, yes, this this makes sense, then I really think that we'll be in a good place. So for me, I mean, (laughs) I'd love it if everyone saw the world the way that, that I did. And at the same time, I learn so much from people who don't. I learn from people who are deliberate and are principled in the way that they live out what they believe. So that's, that's, I think what I hope people will take away from me.
0: Beautifully said, beautifully said. So Chris, I want to thank you a great deal. That was a wonderful conversation. And, and as always, you offer beautiful insights and I always leave any, any interaction with you, I, I leave jealous of your hair <laughs> as well as uh, you know, deeply inspired at the at the same time with your with your thought and your your energy. So I want to give a last invite there out to folks. Again, if you'd like to hear more, we're gonna have a special service Sunday, January 8th. Chris will actually be on stage with me, a chance to further this conversation as well as having some students talking about how does this whole thing of adolescence spirituality, how does it all go together? And how can we create those communities of caring that can really move the world forward? So I want to thank all of you for joining us, wishing you the very best. Take care. Bye. Folks, I am super excited. As a former teacher, I love talking to teachers, and this is one extraordinary teacher here. And and so, Martha, it's great to have you joining us for a little conversation around, you know, the spiritual life of in high school and how spirituality, teenagers, how all that stuff comes together. So first off, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself to our audience.
2: All right. My name is Martha Odner. I teach um, a couple classes, high school classes to... Uh, at ANC, at the Academy of the New Church, I teach science classes. I teach math classes. I'm also a mom of some young children um, and a colleague.
0: That's it. That's it. So you're never bored. I think that's Never
2: what, bored. Never bored. No,
0: never, <laughs> never bored. That's what it does. All right. And, and, and Martha, you, you know, being around teenagers and being around adolescents as much as you are, kind of like swimming in those waters. When you look at it and you think about, yeah, this is, this is where I see, see spirituality, the life of a high school student, you know, how those things go together. What do you think most teenagers, what do you see most of them battling? What do you see most of them struggling with at, at their particular time of life?
2: I think the one that's been coming to me lately is integrity, just Mm -hmm. just figuring out integrity. So figuring out how to be honest with themselves, how to be honest with us and to put their full effort into things and uh, to recognize the consequences of what happens when you, you lose some integrity.
0: Oh, that's good, and I love I love that the Latin for the word integrity means to be woven together. Like ah,
2: oh, re- I didn't re- know that.
0: Isn't that good? You can oh, like
2: the integumentary a... system.
0: Yes, in the body,
2: this the, the yes, skin holds everything yes, together. Yes, the, see, <laughs> Eureka!
0: There we go. It's all it. woven. It's all woven together. And, <laughs> and if you were to tell them, right? Like, if you were to tell them, why does integrity matter so much? Like, why does that weaving actually count? What would you say? Oh
2: my gosh. Yes, that's a great point. I feel like I'm always like, I wish I could get into their heads and tell them these things because they don't believe it now. But these things are going to matter so much in the future for their future selves, for their relationships with other people, whether it's in a marriage or friendships or with children. Like you want to build that integrity. People will trust you, people will respect you um, the more that you have that integrity. And I just feel like they don't see those consequences yet. and, And we're trying to help build those that, that, that
0: awareness of it. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. right. And, and, you know, I'm I'm thinking rather of a parent who's like nodding their head right now, watching this say in Nevada and they're like, Oh man, I wish my kid understood the importance of, of, of integrity. And what's, you know, like so much of life, I think is this balance between push and pull. And, and the pull part is, is, is what sort of draws us. So if you were saying, to a, to a family or to a young adult, yeah, you know, this is this is sort of where integrity will lead you. You know, there's there's sort of that, the punitive side to it. Like if you get caught lying, you're gonna be in trouble. Bernie Madoff's way of living, not a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's there's this pool of like, yeah, if you start to live a life of integrity, this is where you'll be pulled. And, and, and you know, and trying to, it's not always gonna lead to financial success per se, right. but, but what kind of success do you think it leads to for young adults?
2: I feel like there's a certain amount of confidence that you'll get and that's going to just open up so many doors like you're just going to feel more sure of yourself because you've been doing things you're on the straight and narrow you've been doing the things the way the way that you know is the right way to do things. And then you will have confidence in yourself to to know that you're always doing the right thing and that your ideas matter and you, where you are is legit. You've got to where you did, you put the work in, and that's just going to create so much confidence in you and it's going to show through. And then people will, like I said, they're going to respect you and that's going to be a success in a, in its own right to have people feel that way about you. It's going to really help to encourage those relationships.
0: Mm, boy, that's so beautifully said. And I I love that <laughs> idea, right? Of, of integrity and and that is something I think faith-based schools, uh, you know, I, I remember as a public, former public school teacher, um, we had this big conversation around what, around morals. And and somebody got up front and they were like, well, what morals will we teach? And it ended up just being like this crickets, like dead silence. And I thought, oh, right no. Now, Boy, if we can't even like talk about it at a at a certain level, it's it's what a mess. You know, like No,
2: totally, because there's some that are just so universal, yeah. you know, that it just it doesn't even need to like like we can all agree on some of these things, yeah. right? That we right. need to teach these things that we have these goals for our students. How do we get there? And I think that everyone would 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 agree. No one's going to say, "No, I don't like that moral. That's not something <laughs> right, I want my right. kid to grow up with." So, right,
0: right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah okay. it's pretty universal. It's universal. So here's here's yeah. my other word, geeky thing. Yeah. So oh yeah, I love integrity or or integration. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. What do
0: we have? We have disintegration. Yes. It's just
2: you know, gonna fall apart. It's gonna just fall apart. going to yes.
0: fall apart when it doesn't work. Yeah. So so another question I'd love to ask you, I think, like as a, as a teacher, because some some people will be watching this and um, they may have interest in a in a faith based school or they may be interested in like how do I how do I help my teen? And could there could there be an educational place that helps them to do that? To paint that picture for us, a little bit of the, the culture around the school you teach in, which is the Academy of the New Church in Bernath in Pennsylvania. Um, tell me, what was the best day of work you've had teaching? A day you just loved.
2: The day I loved. Wow, that is really something. I mean, I could definitely pick parts of lots of days and, and come up with a theoretical day. I'm trying to think if there was one that really stood out. There is one from a few years ago. It wasn't particularly happy, but just the connection. It was, I think it was when I realized I'm making a difference in these kids' lives. And that was really special. So I just, I had a student that was just always checking in with me, you know, over lunch or after school and... Um, she, I don't even remember what the specifics were, but she was really upset about something. Very upset. She was crying and i was i was trying to support her and help her and i was like don't worry about your next class i got you you know we will we'll figure this out your mental health is the most important thing right now and um i think that where did she need to go in the end i think she needed to go down to the nurse or something and i just remember walking her down there and talking and crying with her because whatever she whatever was making her sad was making me sad and i was like wow the empathy is strong these days i think that after you know i taught before having kids and then I had my own children and then I thought afterwards and I just, the empathy just multiplied, I think by becoming a mom. So now I just take these kids under my wing and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I feel for you. And they are stressed. And then I get stressed for them anyway. So that was just a really special moment because I, I just, I felt the the impact. I felt like, wow, I really can make a connection, that it's not just me over here and them over there that we're connecting with each other and I'm actually able to make a difference. So it was a very sad day, but it really sticks out in my memory hmm. as, as a, a great day.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful. I was I was thinking as you were saying that, you know, my my experience was teaching in public high school and then coming and teaching in private, uh, uh same school you're teaching in, actually, you know, private face based school, ANC. And and it was just really interesting because in public school, you know, students were always sort of you really had to keep everybody arm's length, like mm. just much more because you had so many, they're just right. so many students, you know. I remember the first year I taught what I have, I had six classes of 30 kids, you know, I had 180 students, just yeah. on- <laughs> right? And, oh, no. and there was no there was no walking the halls with a kid who was crying,
2: like or <laughs> none of that, because
0: we had Places to go and people to see. So you know it's it's beautifully said.
2: Yeah, um, we have lots of chances to connect with our students. It's it's fantastic here. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, that's you. You are you are totally you are totally going the direction I wanted to ask you.
2: Questions. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and
0: and it, was, it was it's good. And so what's what's the 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 secret sauce of a faith based school like ANC? I mean, obviously there's the religious part, and the religious part bleeds out in different ways, in beautiful ways, actually. You know, sort of oh, yeah. coloring things in very beautiful ways. Mm-hmm. What would you what would you say?
2: 100% it's the connections. Yeah, it's the it's the connections between the teachers and the students. It's the connections between the students and each other. And even the students witnessing the connections between the teachers, the colleagues, they know we love each other and that we are family here. And I think that that is is just such an amazing thing to model. And they they get into it. They're like, I saw you and Mrs. So and so doing this and that they 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 love it. They love seeing the love and the bond that we all have together. But um no, the connection with our students, I it's interesting. I'm also the National Honor Society um, advisor for, for our, our club. And every year when we do interviews, one of the questions that one of our um one of the people on the council ask is what's something we do really great at our school and what's something that we could work on at our school. And of what what the students say is the connections with my teachers are what you guys do really well at the school. It's like, it's a lot of work getting to this point, the interview process. But then in that moment, I'm always just like, oh, I needed to hear this. This is so great. (laughs) This is so great. These connections. And so they talk about that and then you know things to improve would be things like uh more food options at the dining hall or something yeah. like that but Hold the on, connections on. yeah exactly the connections they really they do appreciate them and they know that they can come see us at any other any time of the day they're always like and we can like we can call them we can call <laughs> them if we have questions and they will answer us and they're just so shocked
0: yeah so yeah that,
2: that that's oh. what that's the sauce that's the secret
0: sauce that's for the secret sure sauce. <laughs> that, that's, that's beautiful and it reminds me of uh you know Mother Teresa one of my favorite quotes I quote it all the time in sermons Mother Teresa said we will have peace when we remember we belong to each other ah that's
2: beautiful that
0: beautiful. Like that whole remembering yes. we belong to each other, whether it's that girl walking down with tears, whether it's the, the students who are able to, hey, I could actually call my teacher. I remember being shocked by that, you know, Yeah. Um, when we moved down here to Bernath and, and it really is something else.
2: No, it, it is. I love that idea that if we all just remember that we're all human, we're all in this together, it's going to bring us peace.
0: Yeah, that's it. And yep. then a final final question: Like, if if there's a parent out there who's considering a, a faith based school like ANC or or another school, what what would you tell that parent? Like, why would it be worthwhile? Again, as a mom yourself, why would it be worthwhile for them to look to consider it?
2: Oh, interesting! Interesting. Considering a faith based school when maybe your kids have been going to public school. It's really hard for me to separate all faith-based schools from just our school in particular, because this is all I've really known as a teacher. Um, And so I'm sure that there are lots of public schools that do this well, too, but we love our students so much and we take care of our students and we want what's best for our students. We are there for them in so many ways. And I just, I I don't know if it's our size and the faith-based thing for sure, because obviously we put a priority on doing the right thing at our school. Um, But no, we really, we will take care of your child if you send your child here. It is, we are invested in their happiness, not just their academics, we're invested in the whole thing. We want them to come out and be Happy and feel connected and have a place, a safe place for them. So
0: that's beautiful. That's my, that's my answer. That was high five, Martha. That high was fun. that was that was really good. That was really good. So Martha, I can't thank you enough. Deeply appreciate it and i deeply appreciate you as a person, as a teacher. And uh just thank you so stop, much. You're gonna, gonna
2: make you me cry. Stop. <laughs> stop, stop, exactly.
0: Excellent. All right, friends, I am so excited to be joined by two wonderful students as, as we talk about what it's like to go to a faith-based school and, and how spirituality and, and teena- being a teen, how the two go together. Because I know for a lot of us as, as parents, care, of people, parents, other care. folks, you know, we, we think about these things and how, how do we draw all these together? So the first thing I'm going to do is to just allow these fine young folks to introduce themselves, to Give us their name and where they're joining us from today. So Sophia, you want to go first?
3: Um, Sure. My name is Sophia Irwin and I'm at my house in Upper Moreland.
0: Great, great. And Alameen, go ahead. Uh, my name is Alameen Aljubade. I'm at home right now in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Great, great. So these folks are all joining us from the, the wonderful southeastern corner of the state. And what I'd like to start out with is, is this question of What do you what do you folks kind of think most teens are are thinking about spiritually like what's what's near and dear to their hearts as you see it again you both go to a faith based school the academy of the new church. And imagine a lot of kids and a lot of families out there who watching this probably do the same in different different kinds of schools. But if a parent was wondering, yeah, I wonder what's going on with my teen. I wonder what they're thinking about in terms of spirituality. What would you answer? And Sophia, I so appreciate you volunteering to go first. So what would, what would you, what would you answer to that question? What do you think teens are sort of thinking through?
3: I think especially in high school, a lot of teenagers are having questions about spirituality and trying to figure out where they fit in with it. So I know for me, a lot of, what I was thinking and what I am thinking is how do I fit into this bigger plan that God has for us? And so I know that part of the way that I fit into that plan is I reach out to people and I try to make connections. And I'm the Lord teaches me that by making connections and by loving other people, we are loving him and we are serving him. So I think that a lot of teenagers are trying to make those connections, whether, whether they're trying to, or subconsciously, and by doing that, they're connecting themselves to God.
0: Very good. And this is your geeky little religion lesson for the day, Sophia. So the word religion, religio, like ligament means to reconnect. Just just FYI. Like who knew, right? Kind of your little <laughs> interesting, interesting factoid for the day. I mean, what about you? What do you kind of see as as the spiritual thing that 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 teens are thinking about? Um,
4: I think in like the time and space that we live in, we're exposed to a lot. And um, going to like a religion-based school, you get a chance every morning, like example in chapel, to just stop and see where where you are in the world, and like see where how things are affecting you, and take a message in for the day. I think for teens, again, we're we're seeing we're exposed to a bunch of things, and when it comes to religion, I think when we get a chance to just sit down and hear words from people who know and who've experienced the world, I think. In terms of religion, I think for me, that's how it affects me in my everyday life. To just being able to sit down and stop, you know, getting them 15, 20 minutes a day to stop and just take it all in.
0: Boy, that's beautifully said. Beautifully said. Yeah, and isn't that interesting, right? We're trying to find these little oases where we can recalibrate, get ourselves squared away. You know, I, I know with New Church Live, my particular congregation... We do a little morning meditation because pe- people love it. We just need something that kind of draws us in. And and a, a second question with that, you know, uh, and I love the way both you guys answer. Sort of, you know, that idea of teens looking for connection, those, and as well as teens looking for sort of a uh, a set aside space to just have calm in their life and just kind of get a get a chance to to reorient their lives. And, and a, sort of the flip of that question is, what do you think the biggest struggle is for your particular generation? Like you folks, I would not, to be honest, I've, I taught for a long time before being a pastor. I would not want to be a teenager in this era. You know, that's just me. You may be thriving. Great. But it's just, it's tough. I mean, I think you're facing things that my generation did not have to face. Um, I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I'd love for people to get a chance to hear, where do you see the challenges for your generation in particular, uh, you know, as you move forward in life? So, Sophia, you feel like getting us started with that one?
3: Sure. Um, I know for me at a faith-based school, I went to the elementary school and the middle school as well. It's a lot of information all at once that you're getting. And sometimes it it is hard to stop and just think about it. So I think a big struggle for me and a lot of people I've talked to is finding a way to take all that information and digest it and also relate it to your um, like the social aspects of your everyday life and the social pressures that are being put on you every single day and having, being able to find that balance between your spiritual life and your um, domestic life, I guess.
0: Oh boy, that's well said, right? It's always about, it's interesting how that balance is so dynamic. It's, it's something we need to recalibrate all the time. You know, how do we, how do we sort of serve both in, how do we bring the two together? Very well said. Thank you, Sophia. What about you, Almin? What are you thinking? Um, so struggle
4: with, uh, I think for me, again, it's along the same thing that Sophie said, just figuring out how to balance everything. Like for us, like more than any other generation possible, we have access to literally anything that's going on in the world. Like there's war in Ukraine, there's this over here, there's laws that people aren't happy with. And all of that is at our fingertips. And we can see what's what's happened to people over the world. And at times just just handling is it pretty hard. So I think yeah, just just handling it loss pretty hard. Having all that information thrown at you, it's pretty hard. So, handling figuring out how to handle it at times can be tough, especially when you're going through school, sports, and everything. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for me.
0: That's really it's really well said. And and that idea of like that space, and that's where I think I would really struggle if I was in. If I was in your shoes in your generation, because you folks are bombarded with so much information, right, just all the time, twenty four seven, and and how do you sort of sort through that? Well, coming coming back to the sort of the the positive side of the ledger and thinking through, yeah, these are the these are the people who I really look up to. So so the question I'm going to ask you is this: is again, there's people watching who have who have. May have been in a faith-based school, may not have. They're interested in their teenagers. Their their charges sort of finding a spirituality in their life. And and I'm going to ask you this question. And again, uh, you, this one you can be really specific on, even though most people will not know the person you're talking about. So so if you're listening to this, I just ask you to just hear this generically as as these are the kinds of 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 qualities that that teens look up to and and who yeah the qualities they look up to. So, so if you two were thinking, oh man, this is the teacher that exemplifies it for me, or the coach. They're the ones who kind of live it. If I was to hold up a bright, shiny example of this is the way to do it, uh, you know, who would it be for you? Who would you be like, yeah, they they really they really get it. They 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 get it. And that's the kind of life I would like to live. And again, for those of you listening who don't know these names, that's fine. Just just hear it generically and hear it as an insight into the kinds of people that that, that this generation holds up. So Sophia, who are you thinking about?
3: Um, I would definitely have to say my sophomore English teacher, Cheryl Cooper. Um, I think she is one of the most kind-hearted women and person in general that I've ever met. And I think she does a really good job in her class and outside of school of finding that balance between living the life how God intended it for us to live according to her beliefs, and also being able to be real. I remember sitting in her class and be reading books about all sorts of different cultures, and we'd talk about current events in other countries and our own country, but we'd always find a way to bring it back to our school and our lives and our um, and our personal lives, and also see how religion played a role in that, because a lot of the time with a lot of issues, religion is a huge point, um, point. and I think she does a really good job of living her life with kindness and with love but also taking account facts and I think that that's just I find that amazing
0: it's it's beautiful when you watch that right and I I'm thinking of the beautiful quote uh you know that what else is a life of worship but a life of kindness you know said that's pretty simple pretty 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 direct so thank you for a beautiful answer I mean what about you what are you th- who are you thinking um, of off the top of
4: my head I think right away I think of Mr Reuter and Mr Heim which are yeah. that's my Mr word is my English teacher and also assistant principal at school and Mr Hines my human anatomy teacher and what I really appreciate about those two and um is just how real they are like often you know you want your teachers to be um, um professional obviously but at the same time you want to feel like you're in a classroom with another real human being where you can have a real conversation with and I think I think they both do a really good job at that at teaching the subject well, at the same time, you feel like you're talking to a human. You feel like you're talking to people with real life experiences and neither one of them ever try to come off as, you know, being perfect or that there's always a perfect right answer to things in life. Sometimes you just, you're gonna have to figure it out bad things are gonna happen. And at the end of the day, you have to choose to be a good person and um, choose to be an educated person. So yeah, those two for me are definitely my go-to
0: that's a great answer and I, I love that you know I'm thinking of your answers like a Venn diagram and the word both of you used was the word real which was beautiful you know you know I think your generation is going to smell out a phony in about 3 seconds flat you know and and that idea of really honoring people who have that real you know they have the ideals but the ideals are grounded in a real in a reality a reality around life a reality around how life works that's 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 beautifully said thank you for sharing that i mean so um the last, the last question is, if a parent was thinking about a faith-based school, and it might be the one you guys go to the Academy of the New Church, it might be the Catholic school around the block out where they are in, in Des Moines, Iowa, like who knows, right? What would you say to them in terms of, you know, why they should think about it? Not necessarily why should they, they should do it, but but why should they think about it? Why should it be part of a consideration as part of the way that a, that an adolescent grows and matures and moves forward in life. So Sophia, what, what would be your, your, your sales pitch?
3: Um, well, I would definitely encourage a pro cons list is because I think that's a great thing to do, but I think one of the main points is that I believe that a faith-based school builds community, whether you're joining it as part of the faith or if you're not, there's always going to be something that you're all have in common and it's going to be that you go to that faith-based school and whether you're arguing about the teachings they're saying or if you're agreeing on them there's going to be a conversation about it and conversation is what starts a community and growing up that's what you need you need people in your life and you need to surround yourself with people either like-minded or not like-minded so that you can learn from them and I think going to a faith-based school is a really good idea for a teenager, because. I think it allows them to be exposed to different ideas. And I think it allows them to develop the ideas for themselves and have the tools to do so.
0: That's really well said. You know, and I was thinking, you were saying that quote I really love is the idea, you know, we're searching, we're searching for unity of purpose, not uniformity of thought, you know, that it's, It's And faith-based schools all over the country have this way of moving towards something with purpose. They don't have necessarily uniformity. As you said, it's not everybody believes the same thing. But even that conversation, is, which has a dynamic tension to it, is really healthy. So that's very well said. Thank you. Alameen, what about you, buddy? Um, I think no matter who you are what religion you
4: follow, all religions usually follow the same basic outline or fundamentals. And it's that, at the end of the day, care for your neighbor and love everybody. So... (laughs) You have a teen or any kid and you're thinking about sending them to a school i think a faith-based school is definitely one to look at because you know if you're a parent i feel you should want that for your child to understand that caring for other people and loving one's neighbor and yourself along the way is important and um often when people hear faith-based school they think of a certain religion and that people are trying to put push that religion on you um i'm not of the new church religion i go to academy new church and it's there's always a space that lets me express we you know what we're talking about, mine, the way I see life and which religion I come from. And I really appreciate that. And teenagers right now in the world, we we don't, we're questioning like, what's what's the goal? Like, what's it all for? And it's really hard doing that in this atmosphere that we live in. And a based school just, you know, helps, keeps you grounded. Again, like I said, you know, those 20, 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, you get to sit there and, you know, figure it out a little bit more than you, than you did yesterday. And, um, yeah.
0: That's beautifully said. And I, I love, you know, I I love the idea of compass versus roadmaps, right? And that's what, you know, religions do share so much in similar and, you know, so much in common around what the compass is, like what is true north and being in schools that can, as somebody who taught in public school and then taught in private school, you know, just seeing the difference between the two and and the real joy of watching people find those, that true north and really get oriented to it. So. On behalf of me, the New Church Live audience, I want to thank you folks so much. That was very insightful, beautifully said. You are wonderful young adults, and deeply appreciate you taking time to chat with us today. So thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Thanks for listening to the New Church Live podcast. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow and review our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's a free way to support us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Church Live or visit newchurchlive.tv to subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check back on Sunday for recording of our weekly sermon, which is uploaded here each week.